If you ever thought about starting your own podcast, you should check out Riverside. Riverside is an online recording studio that lets you record podcasts and video in studio quality from anywhere. And if you click on the affiliated link in the episode description and you buy a subscription, you will also be supporting the podcast. And if you are going to start your own podcast or you just want to continue to listen to great podcasts, you're going to need headphones or speakers. If you click on the Amazon affiliated link, you can get great deals on headphones and speakers. And if you make a purchase, it will also help support the podcast. And if you ever want to read a book I have mentioned on this podcast, I now have an affiliated link for Bookshop. All the affiliated links that I mentioned will be in the episode description for this episode. This is just a reminder that this podcast has merch and a Patreon, and if you could contribute to one of those to help keep this podcast going, I would greatly appreciate it. I want you to get an image of a pirate in your head. How does this pirate present themselves? What kind of attitude does this pirate have? Now that you have that pirate in your head, I want you to forget all about them. Because I can pretty much guarantee that the pirate in your head is nothing like the pirate I'm going to tell you about today. Because today's pirate is really less of a pirate and more just a midlife crisis. A really dramatic and desperate midlife crisis. Ahoy! My name is Courtney Jewell, and you are listening to the ninth episode of the third season of History Shelf, a podcast about history that proves that sometimes fact is even more interesting than fiction. Tis season three, oh History Shelf, and I have titled this season, Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. In this season be all about pirates, the pirates and scallywags that sailed the seven seas, and some rivers, looking for booty as they made their travels. Some of these pirates came from humble beginnings, while others surprisingly came from well-to-do families. But no matter where or who they came from, they all had one thing in common. They would be pirates. And for this week, I am talking about Steed Bonnet. Before I get talking about Steed Bonnet, I wanted to inform you that if you are listening to this episode on the day that it comes out, September 19th, 2023, then it is Talk Like a Pirate Day. When I was thinking about what the theme for this season would be, I had quite a few ideas. And when I realized that an episode this season would be released on Talk Like a Pirate Day. That just cemented my choice that this season would be about pirates. So, don't forget to talk like a pirate today. Now, let's learn about a real-life pirate. Steed Bonnet, a.k.a. The Gentleman Pirate, was not the scary and dangerous pirate that made sailors shake in their boots. He was never going to have a nickname that meant the great devil like Blackbeard had. 
he was never going to have the successful pirate career that Bartholomew Roberts had. It almost feels strange to even compare Steed to those pirates. But I am getting ahead of myself because this week's story doesn't start off on a grand vessel on the open sea, but rather on a plantation in Bridgetown, Barbados in 1688. That is the place in year Steed was born. He was born to the parents Edward Bonnet and Sarah Stevens. His family was a wealthy English family. Edward owned an estate with over 400 acres and slaves in Bridgetown. Steed was christened on July 29, 1688. Steed had two siblings, sisters named Francis and Sarah. At just the age of six, Steed found himself an orphan and the inheritor of his father's estate. Steed's guardians made sure that he received a great education, and they made sure that he became a gentleman. On November 21st, 1709, Steed married a woman named Mary Allenby in Bridgetown. Mary was the daughter of a planter, and she came with a nice large salary. Together, they had four children, sons Allenby, Edward, and Steed Jr., and one daughter named Mary. Allenby died in 1715. Life for Steed was going well. He had a good place in society, and his plantation thrived. Steed joined the British Army and served in a local militia. He was a major. In January of 1716, he was made a Justice of the Peace. Most men during this time would have killed for the life and status that Steed had, but it was not a life that Steed wanted. Steed went from a man with a family to a man with history's worst midlife crisis. He went from a respectable member of society to a pirate. The reason why Steed turned pirate has baffled people for centuries. There were a few reasons why people became pirates. Some were forced into it, like William Kidd was. I covered him a few weeks ago on this podcast. Some joined pirate crews to avoid slavery. Some did it to rebel against a government. Most of the time, people did it because they needed the money. But Steed had a booming plantation. Now, he wasn't the first well-to-do person to turn to piracy. I have already covered a few people this season that came from well-off families, but they were still pirates. Think back to Jeanne de Clisson or Erica Pomerania. But those situations were fueled by revenge and politics, and those reasons had nothing to do with Steed's story. Some have hypothesized that it was indeed a midlife crisis. That the reason that Steed became a pirate was because he longed for some excitement in his life, and the life on the open sea was just what he needed. Others have theorized that he suffered from mental illness, though it is quite tricky to diagnose people in the past. In the general history of pirates, it states that the reason for Steed becoming a pirate was to get away from his nagging wife. Now, I have already said in previous episodes that we are unsure with how accurate that text is, so do with that information what you will. Another reason why he may have left his comfy life is 
and this honestly sounds like the most logical reason to me, is that his comfy life may have not been so comfortable. He borrowed 1,700 pounds at the beginning of 1717. Since the one person that knows why Steed did what he did has been dead for centuries, we will never know the reason why Steed decided that a pirate's life was the life for him. Steed put legal papers together that allowed his wife and two of his friends to conduct his affairs while he took to the sea. In secret, he bought a sloop, a sloop he named the Revenge, which naming his ship the Revenge just feels like he was trying his hardest to fit into the pirate life, even though it didn't come natural to him. He chose a very stereotypical name for his pirate ship, and it puts me in mind of that Steve Buscemi meme, the one from 30 Rock, where he's saying, How do you do, fellow kids? The Revenge had 10 guns and a crew of 70 to 80 men. This crew was made up of experienced seamen, and that was a good thing, because Steed had to heavily rely on them because he had zero experience at sea. This experienced crew got paid a salary. Most pirates got paid from the loot they plundered, but Steed's men got paid out of Steed's pocket. This was a smart move and probably a necessary one because of Steed's inexperience. Steed assumed the name Captain Edwards. Steed had his ship and his crew, so now he just waited for the right opportunity to leave. The Revenge stayed in the harbor for a few days, and when Curious Minds asked him about the sloop, he told him that he bought it to begin trading with nearby islands. Then, without a murmur to his family or friends, Steed Bonnet sailed away into the night. And just like that, Steed the Gentleman became Steed the Gentleman Pirate. These were what the flags that Steed Bonnet flew looked like. Steed had a flag that had a skull over a horizontal long bone with a dagger on one side and a heart on the other. Another flag of Steed's was a skull and crossbones. He had one flag that was just a skull, and he would also fly just a plain red flag. He captured four ships in Virginia. The name of those ships were the Anne, the Turbot, the Young, and the Endeavor. Two of those ships came from Scotland and one came from England. Those ships were free to go on their merry way after Steed was done with them. But the turret was from Barbados. That vessel was burned after it was plundered. This would be normal protocol whenever he encountered a ship from Barbados. Every ship from Barbados that Steed plundered was burned afterwards. We don't know if he did this because he hated Barbados or if he did it because he didn't want word to reach home that he had become a pirate. So maybe he didn't want to ruin his good reputation. So he was like the opposite of Blackbeard. A little more on him a little later on. 
After Virginia, it was off to New York for the Gentleman Pirate. There, he captured another sloop. He didn't stay there long before he headed to South Carolina in August of 1717. On his way there, he captured two more vessels. One was a ship carrying sugar from Barbados. Its captain was Joseph Palmer. The second ship was from England. Its captain was Thomas Porter. Of course, the ship from Barbados was burned. Now, when I say he captured these ships, what I mean is his crew captured these ships. Steve didn't know what the hell he was doing, and his crew was starting to take notice. The pirates wanted to set foot on land for a little while. All the money they had gotten was starting to burn a hole in their pockets. So they went to Nassau, Bahamas. I talked a lot about Nassau in the Benjamin Hornigold episode I did a few weeks ago. If you haven't already, you can listen to that episode right now. Nassau became a pirate haven. The island was ran by pirates. There, Steed met fellow pirate Blackbeard. In the episode I did on Blackbeard two weeks ago, I said that Steed and Blackbeard met in Honduras. That was because the source I used for the Blackbeard episode said that they met in Honduras, but the source that I used for this episode said that they met in Nassau. I have already said multiple times this season that facts surrounding pirates are a bit muddy, but I definitely believe it deserves me repeating it again. I personally would be more apt to believe the feed source because the information that we have on Steed is a lot more reliable than the information that we have on Blackbeard. After Steed and Blackbeard met, they struck up a relationship. If you have ever watched the show Our Flag Means Death, I'm sure you're wondering if their relationship was romantic in nature. I hate to disappoint you, but while same-sex relationships among pirates were not uncommon, there is no evidence of Steed and Blackbeard ever having any romantic relationship with each other. Of course, there is also not any evidence that they didn't have a romantic relationship. So Black Steed shippers, don't let me get in your way for you rooting for your favorite ship and enjoying some fanfic. But back to the real Steed and Blackbeard. They hung around each other for a while. Blackbeard probably hung around Steed to take advantage of the crew Steed had. At this point, Blackbeard had yet to acquire his flagship, the Queen Anne's Revenge. Though Blackbeard did have his own ship, and Steed joined him on it. And Steed gave Lieutenant Richards temporary control of the Revenge. Blackbeard had actually convinced Steed to give up command. And he framed it as a way for Steed to kick back and relax. Together they sailed to Honduras and the Grand Cayman Islands. On their way to the east coast of the American colonies, they took about a dozen ships, Steed and Blackbeard. When they reached North Carolina, they had a fleet of four ships and a crew of anywhere from 300 to 400 men. But Steed wasn't stupid. He knew that he was basically a prisoner of Blackbeard. He knew that he didn't have the power to fight him. There was no way that he could regain power of the revenge. And he knew that his men 
probably preferred Blackbeard as their captain. While they were on the coast of North Carolina, Blackbeard told Steed that he was going to seek a royal amnesty that was being offered to pirates. Blackbeard was lying, but Steed didn't know that Blackbeard was lying. At least, he didn't know it at the time. Steed thought that a royal amnesty sounded like a good idea, so he was like, you know what, I'm going to get me one of those too. Steed was actually starting to feel shameful for his pirate ways. He wanted a fresh start in Spain, or maybe Portugal. When Steed went to return to Blackbeard's ship, the Avenger, he found that Blackbeard was gone. And with Blackbeard was Steed's booty. Steed then searched for Blackbeard with no results. Steed had gotten his ship back from Blackbeard because Blackbeard no longer needed it because now Blackbeard had the Queen Anne's revenge. In Honduras, Steed came across the ship the Protestant Caesar in the spring of 1718. His inexperience was a real hindrance and he failed to take the merchant ship. He was even injured in his attempt to take the ship. He was injured bad enough that he was no longer fit for duty. Soon after this, Steed ran into an old friend, or maybe a better term for what Blackbeard was would be a frenemy. Pirates cared about loot, and they weren't too forgiving. So Steed's men had pretty much had enough with Steed's lack of skills, so they begged Blackbeard to take control of the revenge. Blackbeard happily agreed to take over the vessel. So Steed found himself, once again, the guest of Blackbeard on his own ship, or maybe a better term for what Steed was, would be a prisoner. In May of 1718, both Steed and Blackbeard decided to get a pardon from the governor of North Carolina, Charles Eden. In 1718, King George I was desperate to put an end to the pirates that were plundering the seas. So, he offered all pirates a pardon. It was known as the King's Pardon of 1718. This gave a second chance to any pirate that wanted it. If you got a pardon before the deadline ended, then all was forgiven. It didn't matter what you had done. They could also get a commission to become a pirate hunter. So, Steed and Blackbeard went to Bath, North Carolina and got pardons for themselves and their crew. Blackbeard left, and if you want to know what became of him, then you can listen to the episode that I've already done on him. Steed, however, stayed behind. He wanted to become a privateer. Remember, I have already said on a few episodes that a privateer is a pirate with permission to be a pirate. He was told that he could go to St. Thomas, and he would be given a privateer's commission. But there was a problem. When Steed returned to the Revenge, he found that Blackbeard had stripped the ship clean. No honor among thieves, right? The only good thing that came out of Blackbeard betraying him yet again was this time his crew hated Blackbeard too. They wanted revenge. Shortly after they took off, they found about 20 men that had been marooned on a sandbar. These men were Blackbeard. 
they were men that Blackbeard left behind on purpose because he didn't want to share his treasure with them. So now these men also hated Blackbeard, and so the men joined Steed's crew. Steed had heard that Blackbeard was in Orkercoke, but when he got there, he didn't find him. Fate would never again cross the paths of Steed Bonnet and Blackbeard. So, it was off to St. Thomas. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a privateer's life was for Steed. Well, at least he wanted it to be. They had no supplies because Blackbeard had taken all their supplies. They couldn't buy more supplies because Blackbeard had taken their money. They couldn't steal more supplies because they were no longer pirates. The king's pardon was a one-time deal, so they couldn't just go get another pardon after they got the supplies that they needed. They eventually found a merchant ship that was willing to trade with them. And by willing, I do mean that Steed and his crew held the ship at gunpoint and forced them to trade with them. And by trade, I don't mean that it was an equal exchange. Steed got barrels full of pork and bread, and the merchant ship in return got a few casks of rice and an old cable, which was the chain that was holding the anchor. A few days later, they did their version of trading with another ship, and got two hogshead of rum and two of molasses. It wasn't long after that that Steed decided to cut the bullshit and admit to himself that he had turned pirate again. Steed this time was going by the name Captain Thomas, and he changed the name of the Revenge to the Royal James. Captain Thomas was different. Captain Thomas had learned a thing or two on the open seas. No longer was he the clueless idiot, and if you ask some historians, he was no longer the gentleman pirate. Now he was feared. Some historians say he was one of the few pirates that actually made prisoners walk the plank. Mostly, that only happened in fiction. Steed also started to flog his crew as a form of discipline from either naval or merchant ships. And on those ships, flogging was often used as a form of discipline. But pirates often didn't take too kindly to this. So the fact that his crew stayed with him after Steed had adopted this form of discipline shows that they now respected him as a captain. Steed plundered the waters of North and South Carolina. He went up to Virginia and as far north as Delaware. He captured almost a dozen ships. On July 2nd, 1718, he took the sloop The Fortune off of the coast of Delaware Bay. This was not Bartholomew Roberts' ship. Two days later, he took the sloop The Francis. These ships joined his fleet. The fleet then sailed to Cape Fear River. He had plans to stay there for a while because hurricane season was upon them. Governor Charles Eden was quick to forgive pirates and play stupid when pardoned pirates just happened to magically come across some valuable cargo. And he wasn't the only official to do this. Some officials were even pirates themselves during this time in American history, but that didn't mean every official turned a blind eye to piracy. The governor of South Carolina, Robert Johnson, wanted the pirates dealt with. 
he ordered Colonel William Rhett to arm two pirate hunters to wipe out the pirates terrorizing the colonies. No one knows if William made it his mission to go after Steed or it was just Steed running into bad luck when William came upon Steed's fleet. Some believe that William was actually looking for the pirate Charles Vane. I mentioned Charles in the Benjamin Hornigold episode. Charles was known to be a very cruel pirate. William had set sail for Cape Fear on two sloops, the Henry and the Sea Nymph. On September 26, 1718, William arrived in Cape Fear. Both of William's ships ran aground and was anchored for the night. Steed was curious about the ships, so he sent a boat to go check it out. When the boat came back and told him what the ships were, Steed got ready for a fight. The next day, the fight happened. Steed wanted to sail past them into the ocean. William's ships and the Royal James, formerly known as the Revenge, hit shallow water. The gunfight that ensued did not go in Steed's favor, and allegedly Steed wanted to blow up his ship instead of being captured, but his men stopped him and they surrendered. Steed and 33 of his men had survived the battle and they were arrested and taken to Charlestown. Because Steed was a gentleman, he got special treatment and he stayed in the house of the Provost Marshal. On October 24, 1718, Steed escaped his capture, but his freedom was short-lived. He was captured again four days later. It was suspected that the Provost Marshal had aided Steed in his escape because he was a fellow Barbadian, and the Provost Marshal was dismissed. 29 of 33 of Steed's men were found guilty of piracy, and they were hanged on November 18, 1718. Steed's trial began a few days later, and he was found guilty and sentenced to be hanged. Steed begged and pleaded for mercy. His supporters also asked Governor Robert Johnson to commune his sentence. Steed blamed Blackbeard for his piracy. He moved many to his side. Even William Rhett said that he would travel with Steed to England for a new trial, but the governor was not persuaded. A scared and semi-conscious Steed made his way to the gallows on December 10, 1718, holding on to a faded bouquet of flowers. The crowd looked to Steed with pity. His body was left hanging for a few days, then it was cut down and buried, beyond the low watermark. Today there is a plaque near the spot where Steed was hanged. It reads, quote, near this point in the autumn of 1718, Steed Bonnet, notorious gentleman pirate, and 29 of his men, captured by Colonel William Rhett, met their just deserts. After a trial and charge famous in American history by Chief Justice Nicholas Trott, all were buried off White Point Garden in the marshes beyond the watermark. End quote. Steed has shown up in a few novels. Marcel Schwab wrote the book Imaginary Lives about Steed Bonnet. Steed is a character in Tim Powers' novel on Stranger Tides and also in Kate Bonnet, 
Romance of a Pirate's Daughter by Frank R. Stockton. That novel is about Steed's fictional daughter. Steed is a character in the film The Devil and Daniel Webster. Steed is in the video games Sid Meier's Pirates and Assassin's Creed IV Black Flag. The radio program This American Life had a feature on pirates on May 17, 2017, and Steed was mentioned in that. And I have already told you about the comedy TV show Our Flag Means Death. And there is also a comedy musical called Steed Bonnet, A Fucking Pirate Musical. And that was the life of Steed Bonnet. Thank you so much for listening to the ninth episode of the third season of History Shelf. There are 15 episodes planned for this season. Next week's episode is going to be about Samuel Bellamy. I hope you come back for that. A few things before we go. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, the TikTok is at History Shelf. The Instagram is at History underscore Shelf underscore Pod. The Twitter is at History Shelf Pod. The Facebook page is History Shelf Podcast. And the Snapchat is History underscore Shelf. If you want to help out this podcast financially, there are a few ways you can do that. One is you can buy merch from the History Shelf merch store. You can also become a Patreon. This podcast is always going to be free, but there are some perks that come along with becoming a Patreon. The first tier is called History Student, and that is $1 a month. And with that, I will give you a thank you on all social media platforms. I will also choose one Patreon at random for each episode I do. And at the end of the episode, I will give that Patreon a shout out. The second tier is called History Fan. And that is $3 a month. And with that, you will get the first tier. Plus, you get to vote in a poll that helps me choose the theme for the next season of this podcast. The third tier is called History Buff, and that is $20 a month, and with that, you get the first two tiers, plus you will get a handwritten note of thanks mail to you from me, and the last tier is called History Lover, and that is $40 a month, and with that, you get the first three tiers, plus you get to choose one item from the History Shelf merch store. You can choose any item that you want, all but the zip-up hoodie, that's the only item that's not available for the Patreon. You can also take out ad space on this podcast. I have a gig on Fiverr that lets you do that. Also, if you click on one of the affiliated links and you buy something that supports the podcast, there's one for Riverside, there's one for Amazon, and there's one for Bookshop. But if you want to help out this podcast financially, but you don't want any of the merch or any of the perks and you don't want to buy anything... I have turned on listener support on Spotify for podcasters. But the best way that you can help support this podcast is to just continue to listen to it. And there are a few other ways that you can help out this podcast for free. One is if you are listening on a platform that lets you rate this podcast five stars and or leave a positive review. If you do that, that would be very helpful. Also, sharing this podcast on social media with your friends and family would be very helpful. All right, well, until next time, keep learning, 
keep loving history, and come back for next week's episode. Bye.